You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for another Liz in Detroit podcast. It is April. We are um, into, what, the end of our first quarter of 2017 already. And it's pretty amazing to know that it's been a pretty busy first quarter so far. And I was um, happy to put this show together today to really talk about things that are going on in the marketplace, what great listings we have, um, some great new projects that are coming up, and kind of do an overview of the downtown um, selling market as it stands right now and where we foresee it, you know, in the, the near future. And thankfully with me today, I have Paul Bashori, who's a new part of the Liz in Detroit team. Yay! Hello. And um, oh yeah, before I go much into this, please, if you need to reach me, you can do so through LizInDetroit.com, which is our website. Also on Facebook, Liz in Detroit, Twitter, Liz in Detroit. Um, and of course, can reach me on my cell, 313-617-2699. So again, back to the marketplace. So when I was talking with Paul a little bit earlier, actually, like 10 minutes ago, on some key points that we want to hit on in the show, um, we've been working really diligently over the last year on the cooperative um, property market um, in and around the city of Detroit. And Paul actually can speak firsthand as we go in depth on the communities of co-ops in the city of Detroit because he himself um, is living in one now. Yay, right? Yeah, that mm -hmm. is correct. Um, I moved into North Park Cooperative in uh, June, and North Park's right just east of downtown, um, just on the east side of the DeQuinder Cut, right over by Lafayette Park in that area. Um, I wanted to talk about co-ops because we, well, we have three co-op listings right now, um, and they're all pretty different uh, in some cool ways. But first off, um, people always show up and call us uh, with interest in these co-ops, but not really understanding what they are right. and, and how co-ops work. And I think they're they're a really cool and unique uh, way of living and way of ownership. So I kind of just wanted to put out there what it means to be part of a co-op or what it means to buy into one. And do you, I mean, are you referring to, I know when we do work with clients, we usually give out that the difference between living in a cooperative versus a condo. So mm -hmm. maybe if we want to pull that up, and we can kind of go into that a bit more briefly unless you've already made a lot of notes. Well, I mean, I've I've been trying to refine my uh my explanation of this and simplify it. And um basically I tell people like picture a string of townhouses. Um if those townhouses are condos, then each one is separately metered for utilities. Each one is is its own parcel, it's divvied up, it has its own tax ID number. Um, they're basic, basically separate properties that happen to be touching mm -hmm. um, and they're deeded separately, too. So when you buy or sell one, it works just like a house for the most part. <clears throat> but um, co-ops are different. And if that string of townhouses was a co-op, you wouldn't be buying an individual unit. Instead, you'd be buying part of a company that owns the whole building. A share. You're a, a share. shareholder. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. A shareholder, uh, which makes you part of something bigger than just your specific unit. And, and to clarify, you know, you have an equity interest in 
in what you are buying. In a cooperative, you are a member, correct? Mm-hmm. And you have an equity interest in the stake of which you are investing in. So if you purchase a cooperative for, say, you know, a, a cooperative space, let's give an example, 1300 East Lafayette. You buy this great space for $10,000 and you renovate it and the market improves and you get to sell that and you, you, you sell it for 50000 You get to, accru- you know, receive that equity interest that you've invested into it. It doesn't go back to the co-op. So it is a way that you can invest in the property. But the difference being when you buy a cooperative, you what? Have to live in it? Yeah. You have to be an owner-occupant. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's it's basically... Condos are all about individual ownership and co-op is about being part of this this not-for-profit company that owns the whole the whole uh, complex that you're living in. And so, yeah, you can um, sublet your unit uh, and that instead of paying a HOA fee like you would at a condo, you pay a monthly carrying charge, which pays for most of your utilities. Each co-op's a little bit different um, and the master mortgage on the whole property. So everything's pretty simplified um in terms of like what you can and can't do to the unit it actually is really similar to condos because uh you're allowed to do pretty much anything inside the unit as long as it doesn't affect anyone else um and you can take out walls and stuff usually just need approval from the co-op board so it it becomes the thing uh when you're buying a con or a co-op um it's a little more difficult than a condo in a couple ways uh mostly just because it's not financeable um, for the most part, a few of them are financeable, but and right we're now, working on getting more financeable. We are, and mm-hmm. we're close. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of them are cash buys right now, and you have to apply to be part of the co-op. Um, some of them have income standards, and uh, you interview with the board. So it's a little bit longer of a process, but in the end, uh, you're part of something bigger. And I love living in a co-op because uh, it, it's very much more a community than a condo building. Um, everyone's kind of in the same boat. Your expenses are shared. Uh, you're all kind of working towards the same goal of making it a successful community versus just having your own little unit in something bigger. Well, some of the fear that I know or, or um, misunderstanding that people have on co-ops that you and I both get questions continuously with our, the listings that we have is, gosh, those fees are so high. Why are they so high? And mm-hmm. it just makes it economically um, unfeasible to own them and purchase them. And and I'll give my spiel and then you can give your take on that. You know, co-ops, A, what you what you pay monthly, you actually end up getting um, um, a, fisc- a fiscal breakdown at the end of each fiscal year, I should say, um, of your actual write-off of what you pay out monthly. So it's not like you're throwing good money after bad in a co-op and you don't reap any benefits of having that kind of ownership. It might not be as great as what you would pay or get to write off in a condo or a home, but mm-hmm. you still end up getting a write-off. And that definitely differs based on the project um, and the number of shares that you have. So in a cooperative, um, your interest is based on the number of shares of your cooperative, and that's based on the actual size of, right. the, of the cooperative unit itself. So that determines your proportionate share towards the carrying charges, um, you know, anything's associated with that in addition to, you know, um, your your utilities of what's included in, if that's rolled in as well as um, property taxes and in your percentage of, of um, payment towards that master mortgage that Paul was also talking about. So mm-hmm. there's this ever revolving master mortgage in a cooperative that's borrowed against 
to pay for large improvements. So if a roof is needed, they can borrow potentially sometimes against that that um, loan and a refinance to to get those kind of capital improvements done or um, something sometimes similar to that of a condo. They might um, pose an assessment if it's a large enough item that they don't have the funds for and they can again use the current mortgage as a collateral to borrow against to get additional monies for additional improvements. Yeah. Um, I think it, it just boils down to the simplest way to look at it is mm-hmm. just uh, with a co-op, it's going to have a larger monthly fee right. than you would see at a condo. And it's that way because everything, almost everything's rolled up into that fee year. Uh, landscaping, snow plowing, maintenance, if anything breaks, they generally fix it as long as it's a major utility. Um, just Just anything that could be involved with ownership is most likely rolled up in that fee. So if you see something on the market and it's a co-op, don't be scared. But uh, I would, I guess my biggest recommendation would just be to call a realtor who knows. Call who knows. us, yeah. not just call any. Me. Call us. Call. <laughs> yeah, because right. mm-hmm. it's more complicated. Um, but once you have all the information, it's a, they're really cool opportunities and they're much more affordable, especially now where prices are at in the downtown Midtown area. And that, you know, in the downtown area is another thing to talk about is we're, we're going as we go over later in the show about the variety of different price points of, of um, properties on the market, the cooperatives, um, the townhouse cooperatives that run along St. Aubin, and that would be your Hyde Park cooperative, your North Park cooperative, your Town Square, and your Mr. Town Park Town Park cooperative. All of those actually still share price points that are considerably lower for the location of which that they are in and walkable communities of which they're in. And so um, mm-hmm. as we're seeing, I'm hoping a a um, financing f- filler for those communities, it will be an even better and bigger advantage for people to take an opportunity to invest in those because as their price ones, you know, you're paying in some instances like $50 a square foot for some of these properties, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think we'd be able to obtain more buyers for them if we had the ability for financing because it is a pretty Definitely. hefty toll to put in forty dollars or $50,000 on a purchase for a unit that needs major renovation. Yeah. Co-ops, um, <clears throat> co-ops were big in the 70s. Uh, before condos, there were co-ops and um, HUD used to be a big fan of co-ops and that's how Detroit actually has a whole bunch of them relative to most other cities. Um, and so a lot of the co-ops that are in Detroit right now are just starting to turn over, um, especially the ones over where I'm at, uh, east of the DeQuinder cut. And a lot of them haven't been updated very much since their original, since their heyday in the 70s. So uh, that's what I'm dealing with right now is is getting all the, the funky shag carpeting out of my co-op. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and with that being said, you know, these were... To add on to that, this 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 was a type of ownership that was reestablished in the city when we had lost a lot of our population base in the in the riots of the '40s as well as the riots in the '60s, and it really benefited individuals to buy in and be a part of a very strong middle class of the city of Detroit mm-hmm. when it had fled. Um, my family um, moved into one of the cooperatives in the in the Mies Van Roo. And I can tell you the charges were a lot less than we were running on city steam. Um, monthly carrying charges were about a hundred, hundred and ten dollars a month. And the buy-in cost back in 1975 was six thousand dollars. <laughs> now, if anybody listening to us today happens to be following the price points of the Mies Vandero, they know that 
there's nothing in the community listed for under 300,000 right now. So it's pretty amazing to see that kind of turn. And I think in a relatively short period of time. Yeah. Um, but with that also going on another note of the, the different co-ops. So understanding those fees. So as Paul mentioned, you know, you've got this monthly caring charge and depending upon the type of condo, other associated costs you may see that you would incur when you're looking at purchasing might be some utilities. Now, River House Cooperative, which is a huge um, community on um, that sits off of Jefferson on the water, actually has their monthly fees all inclusive. So it covers everything, your gas, mm-hmm. your electric, your water, basic cable even. Um, so that might be an even higher fee if you're looking, but includes everything. Um, the communities like North Park, uh, it includes everything but electric. So even gas and water are rolled into that monthly caring charge. And there are two different fees for North Park. If you've got a three-bedroom unit, they run seven sixty-eight a month. If you've got a two-bedroom unit, it runs seven twenty-eight a month. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty, it's a, you know, that size of unit, which they run about what twelve, thirteen hundred square feet. I think it's yeah, I think it's a uh, twelve hundred and like fourteen fifty or something for right. the three bedroom. Where the rents are going in Detroit, there's no way that's you know seven eight hundred dollars a month would even come close to a, right. a true rental rate. So. Those are things to investigate, and under the guise of a great realtor team <laughs> such as us, we can help you go through those numbers and help you make a better determination if this is a feasible option for you. And um, and these are strong communities, as Paul says. You know, everyone is kind of in the same boat that they're they're vying for the same thing. It's like there is a want and a need. I think when you're buying into condo to be a part of this um, cooperative, cumulative kind of concept of living. You know, um, yeah. and I think that's really important, important as we're seeing, you know, nationally, you know, so many uh, changes in the economic structure of our country, you know, that you still see these um, collections of communities within the city of Detroit where you have all melds of socioeconomic backgrounds that mm-hmm. are, are are living together. Yeah. You know? And it's, it's very important to understand and strengthen the existence of those communities. I remember, you know, having conversations with people before when they couldn't understand co-ops are like, oh, somebody should, you know, they should go condo, you know, and I don't know if that's necessarily the best thing for them. I think the concept of of owning and being an owner occupant is really strong right now because you and I both know, you know, recent statistics in the city have shown us we've, we've actually shifted the turn from an owner occupied metropolis to mm-hmm. now more of a renter occupied and that hasn't been the case for our you know it's true and and if you're buying a condo in the city um the market the market's so crazy right now there's so many people wanting to invest in the city and so many of them aren't actually looking to live in the units they invest in right and so if i was you know so many of the condo complexes we deal with if you're living in one of those um you're going to be swapping neighbors a lot and a lot right. of them are going to be renters and mm-hmm. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but I don't. I love. I love that the co-ops. I love that my neighbors have all been there since the eighties, at least. If not earlier, if not earlier, like the some late sixties, early seventies. Yeah, many. some of them are original, mm-hmm. just to the co-ops' actual founding. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, it's a it's a really cool cool experience and a cool thing to be a part of, and and having all your neighbors look out for you and know you and um, just keep an eye on things. It, it's sort of. Uh, the one little bit of the city that's kind of going the opposite way or standing strong against this yeah. whole idea of, of buying and uh, and renting out and, and making money and planning to sell again in a few years, right. um, which is a huge, 
huge wave that's kind of overtaking a lot of these condos in, in Brush Park and the riverfront and everything. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So I think they're a cool option. So to go over the inventory that we have, so as Paul mentioned again earlier, we have a vast array of different product. We've got units at thirteen hundred Lafayette, priced between ninety nine and one hundred and forty thousand. Uh, ninety nine being a spectacularly designed um, and detailed studio that has spectacular um, views of the north and part of the city skyline. Um, to a two-bedroom, two-bath actually on that same floor that has a great panoramic view of downtown and even the water. But that one actually we got under contract, I'm very happy oh. to say. But we still have units in the North Park Cooperative. Um, and uh, the, as I mentioned before, um, the River House, which is a um, huge cooperative community that sits on the waterfront, which to me, like much of the waterfront right now, is still a little um, unkept secret. Um, it's a great one bedroom, one bath space, uh, approximately what, six or 700 square feet going for about 45,000. Yeah. 625. Thank you. Yeah. And I mean, it has excellent potential. You'd probably want to go in and renovate because like Mm -hmm. the co-ops we're talking about hasn't seen a whole lot of renovations, but you have a partial river view from this unit. I should say more than a partial river view. It's it's a good view. It actually, this is something I've never disclosed i guess when i wrote for curbed um i never wrote about this either but it overlooks my favorite little park in the city um which no one knows is there and that's part of the reason it's my favorite um it's called memorial annex and it's at the end of i think dwight street is right. that the street right, right. there and that whole berry subdivision yeah mayor and, mansion um, it's just this little park there's actually one on the opposite side of the peninsula over by the Manugian. Um, and everyone goes to that. It's full of children. It's very loud. But this park, <laughs> this park is a, uh, it's just like someone's big yard with these beautiful trees. It's right on the river. No one knows it's there. And, uh, this unit looks directly out over it. Yeah. It's so, so. pretty. And I guess there was, did I tell you this? Someone told me that at, at, at River House that actually they had the opportunity to buy that and they didn't. They, I'm glad they I mean, didn't. I know. Because yeah. now everybody can use it, but it would have been a great asset and a, f- a full frontal access mm-hmm. of the community. It's true. I mean, but now they get that for free. Right. So. Right. Mm-hmm. And we like things for free. Yeah. The rumor was that Kwame Kilpatrick used to use it to park cars for his parties at the Manugian. Really? Yeah. That's a good little fact. Mm-hmm. And Kid Rock lives next door. Right. Also. That's yeah. a big thing I didn't say. That is... you could actually, you can see from this window too. <laughs> so if you had a very strong pair of binoculars, you might be able to get a glimpse of it's true. some scruff on the chin maybe. Yeah, maybe maybe a little bit. He shows up in the summer to, um, <laughs> to park his boat there, I guess. And I, God knows what Kid Rock does for fun in the summer, but that's where he is. Well, I'm an, just a point of fact, I'm at... Um, a new owner of a boat myself. So I'm actually have to take the classes. So I understand what I'm doing when I'm actually on the water. It doesn't actually, <laughs> the class doesn't teach you how to drive a boat, which I find to be extremely important. <laughs> it just shows you what to look out for once you're out there. So there's still a little bit of a distant connect I'm learning, but hopefully when I'm capable of being out on the waters. I might what? do some slow drive-bys what? of <laughs> Kid Rock or, or out of control drifting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. what, what kind of boat do you have? It's it's my husband picked it out. Friends of ours had a similar boat, and it supposedly is very easy to drive because it's very much like an automatic car. I don't understand the analogy <laughs> yet, but supposedly the gears are very easy, 
and you can move forward uh-huh. and backward. I'm like, well, it's the speed I'm worried about. You know, it's not a foot throttle. It's a hand throttle. And right. it's like, what if I have a twitchy oh, yeah. hand? What if I accidentally like, I don't know. It's... But no, I'll learn. I know I'll learn. But <laughs> not for anyone to be afraid who happens to be on the water now. But... <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're going to drift into Kid Rock's boathouse. Oops. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But no, good things to look forward to this summer. So, yeah, not to say that I won't um, be available to my clients as they'll need me, but there will be times when when I say that I'm busy with a client that I might be on the water. She's on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully, again, if there's any more questions um, related to cooperatives, um, Individuals will feel free to call up Paul and I now with him with personal experience and me too, having grown up in one that we can better outlay um, the, the the interesting facts and truths to living in a co-op and the financial um, obligations mm-hmm. there, too. You know, so as we move from co-ops, you know, we'll talk about our remaining list of of condos. We still have one unit left at the Park Shelton, everyone. Just one. One unit left. Not like we're going to put it on for auction or anything, and there's some interested parties on it, but just to let you know, there's one unit left. It's got a great view on the seventh floor, two-bedroom, two-bath. Mm-hmm. Um, we just found out that actually the tenants we thought were going to be through the end of May, and they're actually moving out at the end of April. So uh, vacancy on that will actually be pushed up to a better time, I feel, for me to get somebody to take occupancy. So that would be really great. So those of you that have been waning about the Park Shelton, this is the last one. The final one. Be part of history. Do it. Maybe we'll hide a gift inside. Do it. Final unit. Right. And then I'm branching out a bit, you know, with um, listings. I've got a spectacular commercial building on Michigan Avenue. Um, And with its, you know, recent hype and curbed, you know, being one of the most famous streets in the country, like Michigan Avenue, Mm -hmm. let alone in the state. Um, This part of Michigan Avenue that I'm referring to where this property is located is on the Western Michigan Avenue um, past 75, um, just before Grand Boulevard. So it's a stretch of Michigan that hasn't seen the influx in, in, in high activity as we know of the cork town of where slows um, the train station is, but it's an ever-growing interest area where people are starting to gobble up properties in lieu of the new bridge location, as well as just expanding on some um, of bridging Michigan Avenue of Detroit into that of Dearborn. So it's a very interesting piece. That's true. People are going to call it West Corktown one day, and you're going to hate it, but it's going to stick. But you can get a, a hold of this property and love it. Mm-hmm. So it's actually, it used to be the old high-grade deli, which has now moved a little bit further west down the street on the north-hand side of Michigan. Um, and it's been converted into the showroom and small workshop for Woodward Throwbacks, who does spectacular reclaimed wood um, signs, small-scale furniture, all affordable stuff. And they're just going bonkers with um, the sales that they have generated uh you know, all over. They've got a spectacular accounts and some big retailers. And I thankfully sold them a much larger building in Hamtramck, which is going to provide them, you know, much more ample space to expand on their inventory and various other endeavors. So it, it came to a, a sad heart to have to put this on the market. But as they see themselves growing, you know, it's a p- perfect time to um, to list it. They've done quite a bit of work on the property. 
Um, and again, it's two sides. So it was two separate retail storefronts that he kind of joined in the center with a cool barn sliding door. But it could very well be sectioned off again on two spaces, which are approximately 1,500 square feet. You've got a little bit of, of alley frontage. So you've got some space in the, the back of the building to the alley for additional storage. But they also picked up a side lot that goes from the east end of their building all the way to the sidewalk. So that could be... You know, if somebody buys it for a cute little bistro, it can be an outdoor patio and or parking. So there's lots of potential that this space offers. Um, yeah. So if you're interested, give us a call. Yeah, you can you can go on Google Street View, which is one of my favorite things to do, and uh, look at the images they took at different times. And you can see just how much work they put into this place. Um, and the address, is, again, is 3511 Michigan Avenue. Curb did a spectacular um, article on it, actually, when they just opened their doors for their storefront. And there's some really great photos there of the before and after. So the kind of work that they did on the interior of the space. It's great. It's really great to see. Mm-hmm. And then from there, branching out into um, a spectacular duplex. Really, really proud um, in the area of, of Euclid. So Euclid is the first street past Seward of New Center, but we're talking about West Euclid, which goes is actually beyond um, the lodge. So if anyone is a big follower of the tax foreclosure properties, um, Calvert, which is another street, um, had, has, is, is filled with duplexes to the west of the lodge. And those were pretty much all snatched up and are being renovated as we speak. So we're seeing this momentum and movement because you can get affordable things in that new center north end area and you can buy stuff and fix them up. And um, the the couple that owns the property that I've recently listed, I actually showed when they had it listed for sale by owner and um, was just fascinated by this space. Um, an incredible labor of love went in from the time that they acquired this property and really transformed it into a beautiful spot. They live on the upper unit and they actually um, rent the lower unit out as an Airbnb. And it has a great reputation and following for like the past, what, four years, I think, yeah. um, on Airbnb. And they're they're willing to actually pass that business and assign, you know, that if somebody's interested in carrying on the Airbnb because they've got bookings through the summer already um, because they have a lot of return clients, a lot of artisans, student groups. um, It's just a a very unique, spectacular space. And what's even more wonderful about it is that it's got an incredible um, garden in the lot that they own to the west of the building. And um, they have just meticulously made this into a spectacular farming space. It's so Um, cool. Not so much to even sell it, like sell their produce, but they give it to the neighbors. And they've been a big component of 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 keeping the strength of that community alive because it's got a very strong um, block association. So if you're interested in this, you know, kind of like this spectacular urban um, compound with um, a spectacular garden, come and talk to us. Yeah, it's it's really one of like, to be honest, even as someone who who wrote about real estate for for a living for years um, in Detroit specifically, this is one of the coolest listings I've, I've ever come across. And uh, so just to paint a picture, it's, it's a, it's a classic Detroit duplex. It's two stories, um, an upper and lower flat has the big front porch. And then for the, the three lots next to it is just this gigantic, bigger than a garden, smaller than a farm. It's, it's an urban farm essentially. Yeah. Um, and they have hops growing up the side of the building. They have a big vertical garden, 
They have a trellis, uh, like an arch trellis going through the middle of the garden that's covered in, in uh, morning glories and pole beans and whatever they In they the next, you know, two months, that's just going to be flourished with yeah. all new things. It's going to be beautiful. We've got photos on our website and online that show it in its luscious, luscious state yeah, from last fall. It's and amazing. it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they have like a little, they have like a bike storage area in the basement for the Airbnb people. And so you can take bikes and ride around town. They've got a fire pit for those Mm -hmm. cooler, nice summer nights. And they've got a section that's just a little hammock wing for all these big um, uh, uh, mature trees. So they have hammocks and there's a little berm over it. So like once all the vegetation like fills in in the spring, it's like you feel like you're in this little like green oasis. Little grove of trees. It's really cool. It's beautiful. And that's what I love that these these unique places in the city of Detroit. I mean, it's like an honor to to be able to showcase them in the way that we can. So, mm-hmm. yes, if you're interested, give us a call. Yeah, that's 1639 West Euclid. Perfect. Um I want on and then so branching on than that is I'm I'm growing I'm growing our list. So we're going from that to some unique niche development projects that Paul and I will be a part of. Um there's a spectacular mansion um and I, I would call it a mansion, right? On forests, like in, in a state yeah. of sorts. Yeah, a big um, old, a giant old house, the yeah. kind of house that a rich person would have built. I mean, in, I, I call a mansion <laughs> anything over like 3,000 square yeah, feet, so yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was originally separated into four different um, rental units that the owner, um, who happens to be a big mortgage lender in the city of Detroit, uh uh, him and his wife have actually turned this into four distinct condos, and Paul and I have the pleasure of, of being a part of their sales and marketing team to sell these office condos. And it's, again, one a, a, a true labor of love of what they have done to create this um, type of project. You know, it's um, parking, because there is parking for these units, by the way, um, off the rear, and for one night in the, in the fall— Everyone must vacate the alley. And he's like, why, I asked? Like, why do I have to leave my parking in, in my establishment? Because <laughs> it's exactly where Dally in the Alley happens mm-hmm. at, on Labor Day. But that's the only day that you would ever have to, like, voluntarily leave your space. <laughs> but it's um, – I think it has sizes that can and can be attractive to people looking for a small one-bedroom space that they just need somewhere to hang their hat, whether that be they be a busy resident, busy busy student. Um, it's a 450 approximately square foot uh, one-bedroom that's priced at 119. Mm-hmm. Um, very low monthly carrying charges. Um, they will have low property taxes. And it walks out onto a, uh, a cute little a individual deck. Yeah, 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 deck. It's a it's a neat unit. Yeah, it's up on the second floor. Right. And then mm-hmm. above that is one of the premier two-bedroom, two-bath units that has lots of nooks and crannies within it. Um, it's approximately 900, I think, 70 square feet. Are you talking um, about the third floor? Third floor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah third, third floor. Mm-hmm. It's got two bedrooms and two baths, but a, a, a cute, cozy, like, kitchen area that overlooks um, an open, like, living room, dining room space with um, big windows that face onto forest, so you get great southern exposure. And then you've got windows, so the whole top floor is this unit. So you've got a bedroom with a full-size washer and dryer adjacent to it that has windows 
um, off the bedroom, and then you have a bathroom with a stand-up shower, and then that's uh, an, a western-facing unit. And the eastern-facing unit, you've got also another um, bedroom with an ensuite bath that has a tub and shower combination. So, and it has its own individual um, deck as well up off the third floor that just overlooks that whole like um, rooftop space of the back alley there to the north of um, Midtown, which is super duper cool. Yeah, that that top floor unit is is awesome. It's um, you know, if you're looking at like a, a big old house, it's just the very top floor in an area that really could have been attic space at one time or unfinished. Mm -hmm. And uh, the whole interior kind of follows the roof line. So you feel it's very spacious, but also very cozy and unique. And and you feel like you're kind of up in a treehouse up there. And every little bit of space is kind of used efficiently. So there's Mm -hmm. nothing that's really wasted as far as the room that you have, which is which is really kind of nice. And so it's definitely very unique, um, efficient in the way that the space is used. And I think even well-appointed price point-wise from where things are going in Midtown. True. And and that's kind of like the idea of this whole um, particular structure is that is that each of these spaces is very – it's unique and it's old. And it's it's a really good mixture of old and new. Um, they kept the original moldings. Uh, the original did, woodwork throughout the whole main entry. Yeah. Did, did, you, did you get a chance to see the hinge that he had, one of the original hinges yes. that he had yeah, uh, super restored? Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just little details like that. Um, when you go in, it doesn't feel brand new, but it's it's old and it has character and it's it's beautiful for that. I like it a whole lot for that reason. And the 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 cellar is mindful, so it has a little bit of storage space off the rear. So if you've got those Rubbermaid bins and st- want to stack like ten of them, they've got de- definitive space where you could do that. There's also designated room for like bike storage, and and. I think with it being only a four-unit development, as the owners come through, there's, again, similar to that of the co-op, there's like this cooperative kind of environment with the access to the outside, the the green space in the back, and then the parking that I think it could be a great environment for, um, you know, somebody that wants to be a part of a small little niche community, you know, and yet feels like a um, a part of a really big Mm-hmm. community of midtown yeah it's a cool yeah. spot yeah so the price points just to go back on that so the small one bedroom is priced at 119 and then um the highest price point we have right now is 269 for the top floor two bedroom two bath we're still working on the finishing of unit number one and that's actually going to be the largest unit a three potentially a four bedroom unit with an in-law quarters with its own little kitchenette but we're working on the finishing of that particular space before um, we set any price in, but that will be coming soon in the future. So if you want more information, we plan on going live with photos early next week. Um, we'll post a sign out front so you can get in contact with Paul or I for, for showings probably as early as middle of next week. So stay tuned for more on that. Um, and we'll hopefully have a nice little video that we'll be able to incorporate in with our, our um, listing photos as well. So keep an eye out on that on our website. And then um, going from that, an even more larger project, um, it was uh, it's going to be a new construction project in Brush Park. And as we've heard a lot of the hype of the the city modern um, project um, on the southern end of Brush Park and that of the Selden going up next to 
around the corner, I should say, from Selden Standard next to Honest John's, um, you've got what's called the Kellerman. And I'm proud to say that the owners, sellers, developers of this project were neighbors of mine. Um, they purchased the unit above me when I had my loft in Brush Park. Um, and it was their dream to always have a space downtown. And they didn't see the quite kind of development that they were looking for as price points started to escalate. So in early, gosh, what is it now? 2012, they started working diligently and trying to get land um, in the Brush Park somewhere to do their own development. And thankfully, within the last week, they actually closed on the loan for their property and all permits have been pulled, you know, for them to start construction. And they have solicited myself and Paul and our team to be the head of sales for their project. Um, it's going to be extremely unique, nothing like we've even seen. I think we're still, you know, barely touching the surface of the type of quality development that we um, we see in other cities, not only just in Michigan, but in, in places like of real true modern cities that we know. Um, many of the products that they're bringing in for this development are from Europe, like these spectacular double pane windows, but they're triple pane, um, what do you call it? I guess sashes. So it's like, ain't nothing getting through these. And the, what is it? The RH or RP value. It's like when the windows are closed, you, really cannot even hear anything on the exterior. So it's good, excuse me, good for sound in this ever bustling part of Brush Park that we know is going to be under construction for the next two right. to three years. Um, also in the structure itself, they're using steel, um, a steel main structure of the units um, in, uh, where is it? I think poured in concrete, ca they're like caverns. So it's like, I can't even tell you, but it's like it doesn't get much quieter than that. So you're never going to hear a peep from your neighbors either in these um, mm -hmm. um, in yeah. the, the uh, what do you call it, the, the walls that separate you and the other unit. So it's layout. It looks like a very large kind of historic stately estate. Um, you've got three um, two-story units that are kind of encompassing the lower level. And then there's a top floor penthouse. The top floor penthouse isn't for sale because it's going to be the Kellerman's private residence. But the three townhouse units on the, um, on the first and second floor are actually all going to be the ones for sale. And their sizes are between just over 1,700 square feet to just a little over 2,000 square feet. Um, windows adorn every single floor plan, even the interior space. Each unit has its own um, very large balcony off the rear, or I should say porch off the rear. Each unit has its own individual um, garages off the back and storage off the back. So there will be no basement, so this will be on a slab. Um, uh, spectacular doors that they're having custom made from Poland. I mean, it's just an incredible. So I'm working on a lot of the marketing material and show <coughs> images so that when we piece this um whole marketing piece together and launch it again within the next week to 10 days, I'm hopefully going to create a visual um, tour for those that are interested to really see this whole place coming into true form. Um, we've got to do two units in pre-sale before they can break out. So we're hoping that there's lots of eager people or that are looking to occupy spaces in, in Brush Park within the next 18 months that we can bring um, to the table for this spectacular project. Right, right. I like this one. I mean, this one sticks out to me, especially with all the the huge development going on in Brush Park. 
Uh, this one's actually, it's pretty small relative to everything else that's mm-hmm. going on. And uh, the house almost looks, it kind of has a, a Tudor-like roof line. Um, it looks almost European in, in its own way. When I, I mean, you look at it, it looks like something you would probably see somewhere in Germany and Austria. Yeah, I think. It, it's really neat. And uh, they're meticulously choosing the materials involved. And I mean, I, I guess it just boils down to, you know, it's going to be a high quality, thoughtful development when the owners are building it to live in it themselves. Right. So it's going to be high efficient, a very eco green build. Um, they're working on. Um, I'm looking at I'm drawing a blank with my verbiage. They're going to do like a water retention system that's going to be working for the irrigation. So. Oh, cool. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't and even and they're that. they're working on proposals to also integrate possibly solar, but that's still under review. So they don't know if they're going to be able to do it yet, but that's in their original plan mm-hmm. to be able to incorporate solar. So they can either use that for the community itself or sell it back to the grid. But again, that's still under review right now. So we don't know if that's going to be possible for their project. But hopefully the outcome of this will be so strong that they'll actually be brought in to do additional development down the road. Yeah. So it's gonna it's great. Not only did I know them before, but working with them hand in hand for this kind of um project to kind of see their dreams come through is 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 a real treat. Um they're gonna have it's gonna be considered a non warrantable condo. So now we have a much larger um uh ability of getting financing for non warrantable condos than we did say even two years ago. So oh, right. it would have been even... very difficult two years ago to start this project. Yeah, non warrantable. Um, so we're thankful about that. They're only requiring ten percent down, um five percent up front um of signing the contract and five percent when the shell is formed and that's it. Um and most of the financing I found with non warrantable condos can actually do this project actually with ten percent down. So we're mm-hmm. not talking any more additional that might be required for a bar- um buyer to come forward. Um they're looking at low association fees, I believe between two fifty or three hundred max right now is what they're estimating. And property taxes with the neighborhood enterprise zone they're anticipating to be around five thousand a year. So that will be a twelve year abatement. For property taxes, mm-hmm. and then purchase prices were estimating to be anywhere from about five hundred and twenty-nine thousand to probably six hundred and thirty thousand, depending upon the size. Yeah, and if that sounds like a lot Likeable. of money, <laughs> just know that Whole Foods is a few steps away, and right. that's where wine is only three dollars. Exactly, so Grey Ghost is maybe two or three. You'll make your away. money back quickly. Yeah. <laughs> you will. And you can't really walk everywhere downtown or to Midtown from this location. So we're very excited about that. So stay tuned on our website for upcoming um, pictures and information on all of that. Um, you know, again, to recap, I brought Paul on the show today because, as I said, he's a part of, new, a part of my team. Hopefully within the next couple of days, we're going to be uh, bringing forth a new admin assistant. So as I reach into my 20th year in real estate since 1997, I'm very happy to take it to a whole new level um, of being not only able to offer the services that I continue to offer to all of my clients and all my new future clients, but to be to bring in a stronger team that further solidifies my intent and and desire to stay in this marketplace. Um, and I believe the the skill sets that Paul brings forth and our new admin person does, it's just going to make us a powerhouse that I've always mm-hmm. wanted to be in the city, but not like 10 or 15 people big, you know. Um, a real estate posse. Yes. 
Exactly. And it's, 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 we don't, I mean, just dealing with us, you get, I mean, we're going to have three people and, um, getting that many people to work on one thing, I think is, is an advantage you don't get with most agents. Exactly. And especially in Detroit, there are so many, you know, whether you're buying or selling or even renting, uh, there's always a little bit more effort and a little bit more, I don't, anything can happen, I guess. Things come up and you just want to have, not that your back is covered. Yeah. You just want to have people on your side who have the, the wherewithal and the knowledge to deal with those things. And so right. that, that's what we're trying to be is the one-stop shop for whatever you need. Um, we've got the expertise and the manpower to deal with it. And as you know, as we expressed in our listings, we talk about from our co-ops of 40000 to, you know, our, our high-valued um, new construction um, product of, you know, between five and 600000 It's like I like having the vast array of inventory because there's not just one type of person that's moving to the city of Detroit or that wants to move into the city of Detroit. We've got first-time buyers that, you know, want to find that small and expensive house that they can renovate. And we've got the high-end buyers that, you know, want to find that turnkey, ready, beautiful, waterfront, pristine property. So I'm, I'm privileged to just add to the team to help make those dreams of all of you come true. <laughs> yes. So as we come to a close, um, I'm very fortunate to have um, our guests for next week. will hopefully bo- be both Diana Russell uh, Roganson and um, Amy Peterson from Rebel Nell. So I've got to confirm with them. Please come on my show next week, guys. And um, as we close, again, you can always reach Paul and I at, at www.lizindetroit.com. Um, Twitter, Liz in Detroit, and Facebook, Liz in Detroit. Thank you, and we look forward to talking to you next week. <laughs>